Precious Lord, you are good and you are powerful. You know us all individually. You know our thoughts. You know what we believe, what we cherish. May this truth allow us to be truly honest before you now as we come to your word. Amen. Um, I used to be an English high school teacher. A job that involved taking great pieces of literature and destroying them. Uh, if you were under the age of 30, uh, words like change and journeys and belonging probably said it should have been fine. Uh, that was me, I did that. And uh, uh, what I'm going to do tonight, because I love you, is I'm going to show you something that will probably be that nervous twitch you had in high school back. Uh, we're going, I'm going to do something which they tell that all the preaching books never do. If you want to start with an engaging opening, right? It's not engaging, right? What I'm going to do is do a closed passage. Here we go on the screen. Or as I like to call them, guess what's in my head? The Lord detests, this is in Proverbs 16, the Lord detests all the what? Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. What do you think goes in there? You know, is it the sexually promiscuous, maybe murderers, maybe greedy, uh, greedy people, maybe One Direction fans? What, what goes in there? The Lord detests all the what? It's quite surprisingly that it is the Lord detests all the proud of heart. It's not ignored, not just annoyed by, but detests. But God hates pride. Uh, Augustine, uh, the great church father, called pride the mother of all sins. And really, it is probably humanity's biggest problem. It is why Satan was kicked out of heaven and Eve took the, took the fruit. It, it, it'll be the reason that will destroy your marriage, your friendships, your workplace, or this church. For those who aren't Christians, it'll be the thing that will stop you from becoming a Christian. For those of you who are Christians, if you walk away from Jesus, it'll be the thing that will stop you from coming back. It'll enable you not to want to serve, not to be joyful, not to share, not ask for help. And in the end, it'll leave you lonely, anxious, and arrogant. And it all springs from pride. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. What I want to do tonight is uh, look at two passages in the Bible, the two that were read out for us, and have a, uh, have a look at answering why does God hate pride? So that's what we're going to do tonight. The first one is on uh, page 164, Deuteronomy 8, which Alex read out to us. Now, the, the, the Jewish people, open up if you haven't got open, uh, 164. And the Jewish people are on the cusp, on the brink of entering into paradise, the promised land. And they've just come from hundreds of years of slavery, oppression. And God, through Moses, has liberated them. They're about to taste, about to enjoy uh, paradise. In verse 11, God says, Be careful. That's right. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his command, the audience and statutes I've given you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in, and your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold multiply, and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. God is warning the Israelites, you're about to experience great wealth. Your houses will have will be mansions. 
with swimming pools. Your wealth and investments are going to skyrocket through the roof. You are going to have tummies that are full of delicious food. There is going to be no GFC in this place. And in that moment, do not forget, God is saying, who gave it to you? Why you are here? Who enabled all this to happen? Because why have you verse 17? You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But then remember the Lord, your God, gives you the power to gain wealth. What God is saying there is when we have a lot, and the Jews had a lot, or they're about to have a lot, is you start to think, maybe, maybe I did this. Maybe I was the one that made this all happen. It was my reputation, my brains, my ability, my looks, my muscles, my family, my legacy, my upbringing that enabled this to happen. See, friends, pride is giving yourself credit for something that God has ultimately done. Uh, when my wife was in year four at school, uh, she did painting, and uh, as you normally do, and she painted a picture, and at the end of the day she went to collect it, but uh, she couldn't find hers, so she took another girl's painting, took it home, and her mum said, oh, wow, Charlotte, this is an amazing painting, did you do this? She said, uh, yes, yes, but you haven't signed it, so you signed it, she said, Charlotte, sign the painting. Anyway, mum said, this is so good, I'm going to get it framed. And she went and got it framed. For ten years, it was on their wall. And mum had no idea. Until her 21st, when I disclosed that it was the original painting, and mum was horrified. But for ten years, it was in their living room. And my wife took credit for it. Friends, that, that, is, that is pride. It's, it's taking credit for something that was not yours in the first place. He, God, is warning the Jewish people, do not think it was all your doing. And this is not just an Old Testament issue. This is an Australian problem, isn't it? I mean, I saw a video the other day, it was like an interview, uh, it was a while ago actually, an interview with a number of people who lived in the eastern suburbs, near Bondi area, and they asked two questions. The first question was this, what are you thankful for? And people were spouting out, you know, the beach, my family, the work I do, the beach, the weather, the beach, you know, a whole bunch of things, maybe the beach, that they were thankful for, right? Then the second question was this, who are you thankful to? And people, nine times out of ten, just struggled to find an answer. My mum? They were struggling. Because we take credit either explicitly or, or not for the work that God has done. We rob God of his rightful praise for what he's given us, what he's enabled us to do. Pride is giving ourselves credit for something that God has done. The second passage that was read to us is a parable that Jesus told. You're probably familiar with it. Turn with me to page 965. In this parable, Jesus introduces us to two characters, two completely different people, with one unexpected outcome. The first person is a Pharisee. And Jesus says this in Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple complex to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee took his stand and was praying like this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. 
See, friends, we learn a couple of things about pride from this passage. The first is this. Pride loves and thrives on comparison. He says, uh, what did he say? Uh, I'm not like other people. Thank you that I'm not like other people. When there's people in your lives who you distance yourself from, at least I'm not like them. In attempt to justify yourself, to make you feel not as bad, not as guilty. And we do this in different ways. You know, it might be morally. Well, uh, those people up there, they get drunk, but I don't. I'm still a virgin, but they're not. Uh, They're greedy over there, but I'm not as greedy as them. I attend church, and they don't. It might be education. You know, I value education. I'm not illiterate like them. I went to a private school. It might be race. You know, at least I'm not like those people over there with their unusual practices, and they smell weird. It might be personality. Well, I'm not socially awkward, you know. I can construct a good conversation, unlike those people over there. It might be even what you think about proud people. Look at those people. They're loud, obnoxious, and opinionated. At least I'm not like them. Pride thrives on comparison, thinking you're better than someone else. As one pastor put it, pride is the pleasure of being more than the next person. Second thing we notice about pride from this Pharisee is found in verse 12. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of everything I get. Pride loves to talk about achievements, what you've done. And we all, whether we verbalise it or not, have a list of the things that we've done that justify us with, against the people we hang out with or with God. That somehow, because I've done all these things that God owes me, of course he wanted me. Look what I've done. But the uh, tax collector is the exact opposite, isn't he? Verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, turn your wrath from me, a sinner. He's the exact opposite in the, compared to the Pharisee. He doesn't compare himself to others. What does he say? I'm a sinner. It's just him. And he doesn't have any achievements that he mentions. He just asks for mercy. Turn your wrath away from me. I don't deserve anything. I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to offer. And Jesus says, verse 14, I tell you, this one, tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. What he's saying there is the tax collector is going to heaven. But the religious Pharisee is not. And when you think about that, friends, that goes against every other religion, every other worldview, even my own personal instinct. That how come a religious, upright, upstanding citizen is okay, is not okay with God, and yet a tax collector, the scum of the earth, is? It's because of the next bit. What does it? What does Jesus say? Uh, because every, anyone, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. What God is saying is, well, show me what you've got. Let's sit down. Uh, let's see what you've got. We say, well, God, I've, I've given a lot of money. God, I turn around and say, well, didn't I ultimately give you that money? But I had a successful job, but didn't I provide that? Well, I had a, a great family, well, I enabled that. Well, at least I'm not like that person. Great, compare yourself to Hitler. What about Jesus? You know, he's just, whoever exalts himself will be humble. In the end, friends, we just give to God what he gave us. 
Um, I know some of you are uh, soul leaders uh, at the youth group. I used to be a youth group leader at my old church and uh, I led a bunch of, of teenage guys and, uh, and on Tuesday nights at my parents' place where I was living, uh, we would have a Bible study with them. And uh, they're a cheeky bunch because somehow, each year actually, they managed to steal stuff from my room. And uh, at the end of the year, when my birthday would be, they would give me a present. And they'd be like, James, we just want to thank you for being our leader. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And I'd open up the present and like, this is great. It's a hat, but this is my hat. Like, these are, sh- these are my shoes. I have been looking for these shoes every year, right? They would just give to me what was originally mine. And friends, in a way, that's what we do with God. We simply re-gift back to the original giver. When we come before God saying, look at what I've done, look at who I am, look at all the good things I've done, we're simply re-gifting back to God. Because it was His in the first place. And so what I want to do, friends, now is uh, ask seven questions. Seven questions to get you thinking about where is pride alive and active in your life? I want you to personally think, where is it uh, happening right at this moment. First question is this Do you long for attention and praise? Either really loud and dramatically, or maybe more subtly, like on Facebook, where you say, I'm the worst person ever, or I have no friends, and you sit back and wait. Do you long for attention or praise? Number two, do you continually feel upset when others do not honour your achievements? That no one recognises my efforts, so you get angry or passive aggressive. I do this all the time, I tell you. Like, if, particularly if, if I'm doing a job that's not mine. You know, so say for example, I'm putting the clothes away. I'll even tell my friend, just let you know, I'm putting the clothes away. It's not my, you know. Anyway. Number three, do you have difficulty admitting when you're wrong? Does the word sorry rarely said from your lips? You have, always have to be right. Number four, can you receive feedback or criticism without defending yourself? You know, the excuses come flying out. You don't know me. You don't know my situation. You're racist. You don't know my upbringing. Proverbs 13.10 says... Uh, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And what I love about this, this service in particular, we've got a, a beautiful mix of young and old. And can I encourage you, those of you who are young, and you can work that out yourself, uh, ask people who are older than you, people in this room, look, how do you manage your money? How, how do you handle your marriage? How do you handle your friendships? Learn from people who are older than you. Ask Questions, sit under their leadership, sit under their wisdom. Number five, who do you constantly criticize or make fun of? When you make jokes, what type of people are you making fun of again and again? Number six, are you able to care for others who are different from you? Romans 12 says, Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Who are the people of low positions in your life? Can you care, love, serve these people? 
And question seven, have you thought during this sermon, I wish so-and-so was here, they need to hear this. You're focusing on other people's spiritual walk rather than your own. Brothers and sisters, where is the Holy Spirit convicting? Where is pride alive in your life? In Mark 9, Jesus says, If anyone wants to be first, it's on the screen, he must be last of all and a servant of all. Notice Jesus doesn't say, do not want to be first, do not want to aspire to be great. But he says the way to get there is not what you expect. It's not on your own achievements, it's not on who you are or who you're not. But you need to put everyone else before you. And you think about that, how do you do that? I mean, that's daunting, isn't it? Because pride is so complex. I mean, you could have two people, right, caring for the homeless. One doing it out of great humility, and the other full of pride. I mean, even personally, like I'm giving a sermon on the, telling you the dangers of pride, right? But going through my mind, is like, I hope you really like it. You know, that, it's complex, right? Pride is complex. And how do you do this? Well, the good news, friends, is this. As we were aspiring to climb up to be number one, Jesus went down the ladder. And he practiced what he preached. He served people of low positions. He built others up. He didn't seek his own attention, but served on a cross outside Jerusalem. Served his enemies. He was the perfect servant. So then as we answer those questions, which I read out before, and expose the pride in us, the good news is as we try and climb up, he goes down and he went down, 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 down to the darkest place on a cross where he takes on our pride, our racism, our prejudice, our attempts at re-gifting, our neglect to think. And God the Father takes the punishment out on him because God hates pride. And friends, pride has no part of God, no part of his purposes, no part of his plan, no part of his kingdom. And so when we approach Jesus, when we approach God, and you approach him like that tax collector, with nothing to offer and nothing to bring. Instead of bringing gifts, or I should say re-gifts, God gives us a gift, his son. And the reality is this, you friends, if you're a Christian, you get everything for nothing. You get everything for nothing. And I know some of you are thinking, that seems too good to be true. How can you get everything from nothing? It seems almost too good. Surely God loves me because of my personality. Nope. Or what about my successful career? Nope. What about my love and dedication for my family? Nope. What about my church attendance? Nope. What about my good work? Nope. None. God, uh, friends, the reality is this. There is nothing... There is nothing about you that was attractive to God. There was nothing about us that impressed God. That was worth saving. That he was amazed by. That is the humble reality that anyone who wants to exalt himself will be humbled. And yet, God gave everything for nothing. 
God crossed the universe in order to die on a cross. And there he was rejected by his father and abandoned by all. So that you could become his prized joy, his son, his daughter, and receive all the blessings that come with that. And friends, some of you who are not Christians, I've got to ask you this. Are you too proud to accept that? Because that's the question at the end of the day. To accept that you have nothing to offer, but Jesus has everything to give you. And those of us who are Christians, who've accepted this undeserved love, you never, ever, ever, ever move beyond that. You don't become a Christian and then start paying back. Well, you don't, it's not like you're a Christian for 10, 30, uh, 10, 20, 30 years and think, well, right, what's the next thing I need to know? What's the next module in this? You never, ever, ever move beyond that. And Christians fall into all sorts of danger when they do. Friends, we never move beyond it because this reality that we have nothing to offer God, but God has everything to give us, that drives us to true humility. Where we can again and again and again confess to one another and to God our attempts at re-gifting, our neglect to thank God, our attempts at comparing to others, trying to justify ourselves. We can confess because God loves us when we're at our worst. And we can brag and we can boast and we can show off what Jesus has done, free from the fear and worry about trying to be the best or do the best but being confident in what Jesus has done. Let's pray. God, before you we are nothing. We wrongly fail to give you credit where credit is due. We look to ourselves for the answer and attempt to earn favour with you and we are all guilty of this, myself included, and we are sorry, Lord. Thank you that you give love so freely and abundantly. That you're a God of humility. That you served us by giving up your life for us. May we never forget that. May we never move on from that profound, beautiful truth. And may we desire to be more like you, our Maker and our Saviour. Amen.